0: Hi, I'm Wayne Boylott, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine and Managing Veterinarian at the Veterinary Group of Chesterfield. And you're listening to an episode of the Animal Academy Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Animal Academy Podcast. I'm Allison White, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the human-animal connection. This podcast will showcase professionals Who share their areas of expertise in an ongoing series of interviews, and you are there. Their input, stories, and knowledge will help us all understand that we are the ones that actually end up learning from the animals. This is the Animal Academy Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Animal Academy Podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation with my niece, Tori Peacock, who just became the proud mom of a Yorkie named Byron. I also recently added a golden retriever puppy named PJ to my own household. So during this interview, I will have a conversation with Tori about all the questions new puppy owners may have and some of the experiences that occur when adding a new pet into your family. Tori, thank you for being on this episode of the Animal Academy podcast. I look forward to our conversation about one of my favorite topics, puppies.
2: Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about
1: puppies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to, I'm going to meet your new puppy in a few weeks. Can't wait. For starters, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and how animals have been an important part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. I
2: am a musician. That is sort of who I am. I compose and I conduct specifically choirs, that's sort of my area of expertise. Right now I'm working at a grocery store, post-grad school, but I love animals, I've always loved animals. Growing up I had two cats who were specifically mine, one is still living with my parents, and I also had one dog, and I just have always felt so connected to animals. I remember being a kid and my parents would take me to the petting zoo, and there are pictures of me, you know, hugging the goats <laughs> because <laughs> I, I just loved the animals. I don't know what it was, if they were just very soft or, or what. But I think there's something about animals being so just present with you and non judgmental
0: mm-hmm.
2: And I've always found that so reassuring to be around, I think.
1: You know, I've had the same experiences, too, and one of the things that i found is that no matter how many animals i've had throughout my very long life so far you can laugh at me tori that's okay (laughs) they each have their own unique personalities and so when i introduce a new puppy into my life i almost think oh this one is the same breed as a dog that i've had in the past i wonder if they're going to be similar and they're really not so looking back at your Pets that you've had had their unique personalities, or is there anything you remember specifically about them?
2: Oh, absolutely! You know, I, I think about the cat that that I had when I was really young, Tigger. I, I'm sure you remember yes, Tigger. Yes, I do. And she was—I mean, she was just the sweetest cat. She was. I was. I was so young when we had her, but I just remember her being so sweet. And then we had Truffles, and she was like your typical cat. You know, she had. She had such a big personality in a way she wanted to be around everyone all the time but she needed things to be a specific way for her to be happy so <laughs> if you know if she was on your lap and you sneezed she would immediately glare at you <laughs> like,
1: you disrupted you just her ruined sleep. my piece here
2: <laughs> and then of course there's z who you know we still have with us today and and he's he's not even a cat i don't think he's He's more like a dog or a squirrel or something. (laughs) I'm not really (laughs) sure. But each of them has had their unique personalities. And, you know, just the three of them being each of them cats, you see such a variation between all of them. And, you know, Pommet was the only dog that I had in the past. Um, But already seeing between him and my new puppy, Byron, there's obviously so many differences and so many nuances, just like humans. Mm -hmm. I think that go into different pets and their personalities. I know we like to stereotype, you know, dogs are like this and cats are like this. But truthfully, you really never know what you're going to
1: get. You're right. And when you think about Pomet, the dog that you had growing up, he was a golden retriever. And uh, very much a part of your your family. And now Byron is a Yorkshire Terrier, right? Yeah. So you have Pomet, a golden retriever from the sporting dog group is what the American Kennel Club classifies a golden retriever as being in. And then you've got a Yorkshire Terrier, which is very different personality in the terrier group.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're both, I mean, thinking, I was thinking about this actually the other day. Pommet was kind of unusual if you're, if you remember as a golden retriever, because he, you know, from the beginning when we were, you know, we were visiting the litter and he was just always, he just wanted to cuddle. He wanted to sleep, and he just kind of remained like that the rest of his life. And you think, <laughs> you think about golden retrievers and um, the sporting group, and how they they naturally have so much energy and they want to go out and play. And he did have energy, but he mostly just wanted to hang around the family. We never really had to worry about him, you know, running away or anything. But he was so so relaxed all the time. And just that, I mean, you know, seeing the difference between him and his siblings, who we met, and I know you knew some of his siblings, it was it was a world of difference. So that there is just a great example of how every pet can be so different. And then comparing him to Byron is really just, again, it's just a world of difference, especially because Yorkies and Terriers slash the toy group, they're, they're usually... From what I hear, this is my first one, obviously, but, you know, they have so much confidence and they just, they just want to go out and, I don't know, they just, they have so much energy and Byron definitely has that. He, he's sort of more typical for his group than pomit was, but they're definitely, they're very different dogs,
1: mm-hmm. for sure. Tori, when you think about what it was like before you got Byron, what was the anticipation like of getting a new puppy?
2: I think I didn't understand what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I remembered having Pommet when I was younger and, you know, just just loving having that and, you know, having cats throughout my life, just loving having some like somebody there, a, a pet especially, to come home to and, you know, just kind of snuggle up with. And honestly, you know, I've always just felt better with a pet around. And I haven't. I haven't had a pet of my own outside of my parents' home for, what, probably seven years. So mm-hmm. I was ready. I was I was so ready, especially as an animal lover. You know, I was following all these different animal pages on social media mm-hmm. just to get my animal fix. You know, I had to see all these kitten and puppy pictures. And and so, you know, I, I told my boyfriend, I'm like, you know, I think it's just we just have to get we have to get a pet or I'm going to go crazy, you know. hmm the anticipation was, it was a lot, because I, first of all, really, I just really wanted a pet, and second of all, I was, I was terrified, you know, I've never had a pet on my own, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) I think (laughs) I, I was glad that I had you as a resource, because, you know, you're, you've had so many dogs in your life, and, and you know so much about them, absolutely, and, um, and so that was, that was a, a nice thing for me to to think about, you know, I have, I have my aunt, but then, you know, I just also had no idea what things I should, I mean, I live in an apartment and I had no idea what kind of things I needed to get, what kind of things I needed to buy and just how to prepare like physically and emotionally for a dog, especially because I've always been a cat person. So I'm, I'm used to cats. So, you know, just especially being a cat person, I think that I, I sort of fell out of my league, you know, looking for a dog and, you know, just wondering like, you know, what kind of, I don't remember, I was so young last time I had a dog and I don't remember what kind of dog owner I was. And what if I forget, you know, everything that I learned with Pomet and cause I remember I used to train him a little bit when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I remember going to obedience classes with, with you and my dad, um, and so I was just, you know, I was just thinking kind of like the kind of like a helicopter parent mode, like all of these things I need to do in order to make my dog perfect. <laughs>
1: oh, my goodness. And
2: ultimately, you know, it it's just I think some of those things just kind of went out the window once once he arrived. But that that's sort of what was going through my head, all that anticipation of
1: mm-hmm.
2: just, you know, hoping that I, I could do the best that I
0: could.
1: Yeah, and that and that's the the point to make there, Tori, is that we all do the best we can, and we make mistakes along the way. And you know, puppies are forgiving, but yeah, you know, trying to set the bar too high kind of sets yourself up, and as well as the puppy, you know, to not have a good time either.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I did notice that once I relaxed, once he arrived, and and you know, there were a few moments where where I was you know, I was overthinking and I would Mm -hmm. overreact, like I would just get so frustrated because I couldn't figure out how to communicate with him clearly.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I'm doing my research a little bit more and reminding myself slash teaching myself, because again, first time dog on my own, just, you Mm -hmm. know, what to do with, with a puppy was really, was comforting Mm -hmm. for me to, to see that, you know, other people are going through the same frustrations and really what it takes is is patience. So just learning to come into everything with patience has been has been a huge thing for me.
1: And we talk to new parents about the same same thing is, you know, there are so many books on parenting. There are so many books on how to raise puppies, kittens, or whatever. But you have to jump in, and with some guidance, you'll make it through, okay? Absolutely. I was wondering how you decided on a name. <laughs>
2: Well, it was it was uh, my boyfriend's idea. It was Jordan's idea. I I'm not totally sure where it came from, but it resonated with me. We we both love we we love English and poetry, romantic poetry, romantic whatever. And and so you know he said, uh, "What about Byron?" And I was like, "I'm not really familiar with that name. The only you know the only time I've ever heard that name was Lord Byron, the uh, the the poet. I believe he's a poet." Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, it just it just sort of stuck once we met him. We had a few ideas kind of bouncing around, and then once we finally met him, we were like, yes, this is Lord Byron, <laughs> because he kind of he kind of held himself in this sort of stately manner, at least at first, and yeah. he still kind of does sometimes. But yeah. but yeah, it just it seems it seemed to fit him, and I've always I've always found that that names in the past have always come to me more like once I meet. Right. The pet once I know who they are and you can kind of see their personality because it, it's for me it's it's hard to it's hard to pick a name for for somebody that you haven't have, haven't met before there's there's a difference between pictures and meeting in person so
1: oh, you're totally you no know, that right. was
2: just we just felt that fit him in the moment.
1: Yeah, and you're totally right. They all have their little personalities and I think a lot of times we'll choose a name and then we either extend it or reduce the name or call them other things that are kind of cute names. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in in my own case with my puppy PJ, the breeder had a lot of dog breeders will have litter themes. For instance, with American Kennel Club, you register your dog with a name. You use the breeder's kennel name first. And then you choose a theme and choose a sometimes a call, what we call a call name, which would be Byron and would be PJ, is called a call name, is a name that you call your dog, but then you have a registration name that's a little bit longer. The breeder had her kennel name first, and then the theme for the litter was musicals, which... We're all into music in our family, so um, yes. that seemed to fit really well. So I thought, okay, so I'm going to call him PJ after the musical Pajama Game um, because I played in that musical years ago. And so that had some sentimental meaning to me. And luckily, the name PJ seemed to fit. So I yeah. kind of lucked out on that one.
2: I always kind of wondered how those, how those names came about so that's really interesting
1: Mm -hmm. yeah not everybody does that but I think it's kind of fun yeah it is there are so many questions when you decide first to bring a new pet home doesn't matter what it is there's so many questions so much education I guess involved in what do I do where do they sleep what kind of toys when does the training you know a puppy start and I guess with that question, when does training a puppy start? It really starts the minute you bring them home, right? Absolutely. Did you learn, learn that?
2: Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, I, I think you probably remember me texting you uh, <laughs> probably a couple days in. And I had no idea how to crate train a dog. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized I hadn't even thought about it. And so the first night, luckily he slept through the night. For the most part, you know, I woke him up to go potty, but he slept and didn't cry at all, which I was very surprised about. Mm -hmm. He must have been exhausted from the day. But then in the following nights, I was actually I was comforting him every night because I thought, you know, I felt bad for him. I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, he's in a scary new place. He doesn't know the sound of the air conditioner. He doesn't Mm -hmm. know the sound of the upstairs neighbors, kids that are, you know, running around and screaming. And he's not with his litter anymore, and I felt terrible. You know, I I I wanted him to know that he was safe and he was okay. And so I would sit there until he fell asleep, and then I'd walk away and very quietly. And I'd really, I just hoped that he wouldn't wake up and start crying again, because then I'd go back in. And then I texted you, and and you you, you told me, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that because he will keep you awake all night. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: So I really I had no idea what I was doing, and that's sort of when I realized, like, you know, anything that I'm enforcing right now, even in his earliest days with me, are going to stay for the rest of his life, so I really have to start training immediately. It's just, it's best for both the puppy and the owner, it seems. It's in, in both of their best interests.
1: Well, and you you did what comes naturally. We want to comfort a baby, when it, we want to comfort a puppy whenever we think that they're going to be anxious about something. Yep. And sometimes we anticipate that anxiety and it may not even be there. And sometimes they respond based on our own anxiety and not, and they're okay. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Like going to the veterinarian's office. Sometimes we kind of do that to them by thinking, oh, they're going to kind of freak out because they're going to the vet. Crate training and that first night at home is a very big challenge. And you worked through it really well. Yeah, I think
2: eventually I did. <laughs> it was it was really hard for me to kind of wean myself off of comforting him, you know. Especially with you know those first few days, you're just like so in love with your puppy, and you just want to make him happy. And then the exhaustion kind of sets in. You're like, okay, we need to <laughs> you know we need to set some boundaries here. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, I think he's he's come a really long way. And he, um, let's see, we're about a month and a half in, and and he sleeps through the night without crying, without me having to, uh, to, you know, say quiet or ignore the crying. I mean, he mm-hmm. doesn't really wake me up anymore. So
1: that's good. Good. And mine's doing the same thing. Good. Yeah. I'm getting some sleep. Um, <laughs> so there, there are many different ways to crate train a puppy. The way I did it is what I've done before in the past is keeping the crate in a place where I am during the day and leaving the door open. If I'm there, mm-hmm to be able to watch them. I also like to feed them in the crate so they it's more of a positive experience and I don't use it as a punishment. So yeah. um and if they're crying in the crate, I wait until they calm down and then then I let them out because I don't want them to associate crying with oh, now I get to be let out. So yeah, thinking through that process is is difficult because you want to like relieve their stress, but Yes. What you said earlier is true is what you are reinforcing is going to stay.
2: Exactly. It was the same with nap time. I realized that I was actually waiting for him to cry for me to let him out, for him to tell me that he was Mm. awake, but that was also a terrible idea because Mm -hmm. then he would do it at night as well. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You know, waiting for them to basically what I've found with most behavior in puppies is it's just that a lot of it is ignoring the bad behavior. If it's not destructive, obviously, or mm-hmm. they're not, you know, panicking. But to ignore a lot of that and then praise the good behavior. So waiting for them to stop crying and then, and then you know, coming in and letting them out and giving them what they want. And uh, that's been really helpful. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, the same for housebreaking, you know, to praise yeah. them when they... Go outside and then start introducing a word to what you want them to do. It's too soon at at first to do that. Um, But I like to try to find a word that I'm going to continuously use, like go potty or let's go outside or whatever. So even when I'm picking him up out of, I use an exercise pen right now. When I pick him up, I'm like, let's go outside or let's go potty, you know? So I'm trying to like build in that association with what I'm going to want him to do.
2: Absolutely. And it's, it's uh, from a different perspective, we've been using pee pads, actually. And that's been totally new to me, because obviously, when we had a Golden when I was younger, um, we let him outside. But now I'm in an apartment um, with a small dog who's able to use a pee pad. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And
2: um, so that's been a whole new world to me. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. That's what makes it nice to have a small dog at times, though, right? Yeah, Definitely. (laughs) So another thing is I learned years ago that if I think it's cute for a puppy to do a certain behavior like gnawing my hands because, you know, they're teething or jump up because they're only, you know, really little. um, Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that that's what they're going to do when they're 70 pounds. You won't have that problem, but I'm going to have that problem. (laughs) So I don't want to be dressed up and have a dog running at me saying, hi, mom, when he has muddy paws and he's 70 pounds. Even though it's kind of cute when they're puppies, it's something that I don't really want to encourage. Right now, it's really cute. He's actually, he'll sit and he'll, he doesn't know the word sit yet. He just automatically sits. So I'm going to start training that in because he knows that I'm going to turn away if he jumps up on me. So that won't get reinforced. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. So the other question, and this is something you asked too, Tori, is what kind of food it's was yeah. a big question.
2: We were given advice from our veterinarian before we chose the food for him, as, as well as um, Jordan's parents have had Yorkies for years, and they've always used the diet. We go to the same veterinarian. So mm-hmm. they both enforce this one food. And so weaning him off of his old food was, it was basically, um, I think we talked about this once, but you know, we would put a little bit of his new food in to the old food mm-hmm. and just keep putting more and more in every day. And then eventually the vets said, you know, just just use the, the new food now. But I think a, a big part of that was finding, you know, the right size for his mouth as a small puppy, as a mm-hmm. small dog that is a puppy. So he's extra small and finding something that agrees with his stomach as well.
1: That's Perfect. Um, I usually ask the breeder, what are you feeding the puppies before, mm-hmm. you know, I get a dog? And then if I choose to feed something different, then I start doing the exact same thing. Is I don't want to make that sudden change because that's going to upset their stomach, which can lead to diarrhea. And uh, so I very gradually change the dog's food.
2: Yes, and we actually, um, we did, he had some diarrhea at first, which was concerning. But our veterinarian gave us some of uh, Fortiflora. Mm -hmm. And so we were putting a little bit of this probiotic into his food every day. And that really that just got him immediately on the right track after about a week.
0: Good. So that
2: was very helpful.
1: Well, it's really good that you talked to the veterinarian because puppies can get dehydrated really quickly. Yeah. And that's not an area of expertise because I'm not a veterinarian. So I always contact somebody that's a professional to ask if there are any concerning symptoms that come up. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think
2: it's well, good to have a, a good relationship with your veterinarians. So you can ask little questions like that, absolutely. That yeah. be a bigger thing.
1: Yeah, it really is. And we talked um, in another podcast episode to Dr. Wayne Boylott about that specifically, the importance of having a good rapport with your um, animal's veterinarian.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember that episode, actually. I was listening to it the other, the yeah. other day. Yeah,
1: yeah. The other question, along with food, is... What are good treats for a puppy?
2: Yeah, that's, that's something that, I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, they're, they're definitely we have treats that we know don't upset his stomach and that he loves. He loves chicken. But we can't use too many chicken treats for some reason because it, it's, I don't know, maybe too rich for him. Mm-hmm. But we know that we have other treats that don't upset his stomach as much. And so we're, we're still trying to find a right balance. In that case, so I, I think, you know, we've we've tried a couple of other things slowly, integrating them. We'll give him like a tiny little piece and see if he likes it. And, you know, we gave him like some salmon, and he loved it, except that it, it upset his stomach. And mm-hmm. so then we, you know, we took off of that. We took that away from all the options. And but I'll use a little bit of chicken every once in a while if I'm if I'm you know trying to train and it doesn't upset his stomach. So I think it's just finding the right, the right treat for your puppy, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, they have to really enjoy it, especially if you're training so that you have kind of that high value treat. But it also, you know, I think we've talked about this before, or maybe it was with somebody else, but knowing how many treats you're giving them so that you're not overfeeding them as well Mm -hmm. at mealtime. And so it's kind of it's it's really this kind of intricate balance in a way, you know, knowing that, you know, the treats aren't upsetting their stomach and being able to balance it with their with their actual food as
1: well. That's a really good point. And what I used to do when I took other dogs to puppy class is I would reduce how much I fed them for dinner. And sometimes I'd use their kibble for the lower value because they're uh-huh. so used to their kibble. But I'd also take maybe string cheese and I'd cut off little little tiny pieces of mozzarella stick or, or string cheese or pieces of chicken or a friend actually mentioned Cheerios. And for a oh, little puppy like Byron, maybe half a Cheerio because you don't want them sitting gnawing, 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 gnawing. And that yeah. tip came from Ginger Kenyon and... You know, she talks about puppy training in another episode as well. And she's had small dogs. And so she recommended um, using Cheerios and maybe cutting them in half or something.
2: Oh, that's a good idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Never thought about that.
1: You had also asked, Tori, what about taking puppies for walks? You know, I, I was thinking about that. And there are various opinions on this. And I guess the thing that I will continuously say is, Uh, Talk to your veterinarian to see what Mm -hmm. he or she advises you to do before allowing puppies to go into public parks, stores, you know, any place where adults uh, have been um, until they've received their injections, their vaccines, um, because you want them to be safe. And also walks can be a challenge because puppies don't know how to walk on a leash. So there's a whole other training Involved with teaching them to walk on a leash. So what I've done at home is I've let my puppy walk around the house with a leash. So he's just dragging a leash. I don't do that when I'm not watching, but at least he gets used to having something on his collar.
2: Absolutely, that was definitely a, a challenge for us. He did. He hated his collar at first, and so I was trying to figure out a good way to to train him for walks. But it ended up we, we had gotten a collar that was entirely too heavy for this tiny little four-pound puppy. <laughs> so he was terrified of his collar, and I think that is, you know, that's a really big part of leash training is mm-hmm. having the right equipment mm-hmm. for them. So, you know, we would put this collar on him, and we'd be like, you know, why, why does he hate his collar so much? Why is he cowering in the corner? But, of course, you know, if you, if you had something really heavy on your neck,
0: Uhhuh you you would probably be scared too
2: so, right. uh, we kind of realized you know this is not a good idea and so we got a lighter kind of uh, polyester um, collar and that seemed to work really well for him and and he you know he put it on, he was scratching at it for a good while, <laughs> but ultimately, you know he loves it now he he doesn't mind he doesn't mind wearing it at all besides putting it on, that's kind of still a challenge but mm-hmm. but yeah, preparing him for walks was finding the right collar, finding the right we decided to go with a harness because Yorkies have have kind of some trouble with their, uh, what is it, their trachea, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of a breed thing. So we wanted to make sure that his um, that his throat was well protected. So we went with a harness. Okay. And we found one that, that was good for Yorkies and also a good leash. Good. So um, it was doing all this research into those things, talking to our veterinarian about good options as well as um, Jordan's parents who've, who are uh, well-experienced with Yorkies. Yeah, I think it, you know, it depends on the breed that you have in terms of that, and then from there, you know, walking them around the apartment and making sure that they kind of know to stay with you. Mm-hmm. And I was doing this exercise that I learned in, in a class that we're both taking right now where you, uh, you hold a treat up near you and the puppy knows that you have a treat and if they're walking along beside you for several steps for like, you know, five to 10 steps, you give them a treat
1: mm-hmm. and then you
2: just keep doing that. You keep going and keep walking around, you know, inside and outside. Um, if you have a closed in backyard, obviously. And that seemed to really help with his leash training. And we'll go out sometimes on the leash in, in uh, like Jordan's parents' backyard, for example, because we want to make sure his, his vaccinations are up to date first. But And he's been staying with me for the most part. And so I think, uh, you know, that really, like you said, a really big key for that is is you doing everything inside first and kind of doing this prep for Mm -hmm. being on a leash and staying with you and staying focused on you as the owner.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were talking in another uh, podcast episode about people training at home and then going into another environment and wondering why their dog's not doing it. When yeah. you know that you've trained them to sit, to stay, to go down or whatever at your home, and now they're in the park. So the park is a whole new training environment. Totally. It just means that you take them to a different place and you teach them that they have to do the same thing in that environment, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once once he's up on his vaccinations, I look forward to hopefully taking him out to more public spaces mm-hmm. so he has. More distractions to kind of you know ease into uh, to training and in more distracting spaces.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that you were you were very smart about noticing that he didn't like his collar and that it was too big for him. And the same goes for harnesses. It's it's important to get the right fit, and especially for larger dogs. Uh, in the future, we're going to be talking to a sports medicine veterinarian, who will talk a little bit about the importance of finding the right harness because it has to be, or it's important for it to be a non-restrictive harness. So you don't want it to restrict the movement of the dog's front arms or, you know, be too tight around their shoulders. You want that full range of motion when a dog's running and walking. We're having so much fun here. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves
1: is why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate
2: and reclaim more time to make more content with The Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next
1: level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Do you like what you're hearing during this episode of the Animal Academy podcast? If so, consider having your business, organization, or effort connect with me to see how you can sponsor or be featured inside this podcast. Visit my website over at AnimalAcademyPodcast.com and let's have a conversation. Welcome back to the Animal Academy podcast. Today, we're having a wonderful conversation with my niece, Tori Peacock, who is the proud mom of her Yorkshire Terrier named Byron. You would ask too, Tori, about taking a puppy on a road trip when he's four months old.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't sure if that was a good thing to do because I I had read that, you know, puppies can get really car sick, but you know, you know, a lot of them grow out of it, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I would be subjecting him to something, something very, you know, horrible and terrifying.
1: Well, what I've done in the past, you know, it's just something that's worked for me, is I take my dog around wherever, a puppy around wherever I can, in mm-hmm. the car to get them used to it in short spurts at first. Not just to the veterinarian, because then they're going to associate getting in the car with getting a shot or going someplace yeah. scary, So I try to take them different places. Now it's hot. So you certainly do not want to leave your pet in the car when it's hot um, or leave them unattended. But I will take him in the car with me if I'm going to just go somewhere and just pick something up and I'm not leaving the car, right? Or, you know, if we're going around the block, I make sure that, you know, he gets used to the motion of the car. And then I don't see anything wrong. I mean, this is just my opinion, but going on a road trip at any age
2: yeah that's that's sort of what i thought is you know so what we do is we we often go over to uh my boyfriend's parents house and they have a big yard they have they have three dogs in their household so so the dogs have lots of room to play outside and so we we drive him over there we've you know we figured out a good car set up a safe car set up for him and he will drive the 15 minutes over there every single time we go He gets better. Mm -hmm. You know, the first few times we went, he was just crying. He was whining. And he hated, he hated the engine, the car engine. Mm. I don't know if it sounds like a low growl to them or something, (laughs) but he he hated it. And it was terrifying. And, you know, again, you feel terrible. You're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm subjecting my puppy to this torture. But, Uh you know, eventually, I mean, he still whines sometimes, but slowly over time, he's gotten a lot better. And I think um, I think what's important is is upping the time that they're in the car. Mm-hmm. And I've also read that you know it, it's also good to sit with them in a car that is not moving, hmm. especially at first.
1: And I guess get them used to the kennel or whatever you're going to have yeah. you know, them in when they're driving.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: So and another we hope to
2: be able to do that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you do. Another very important puppy question is. What kind of toys and what kind of chews are okay? What did yeah, you end up getting?
2: We, we seem to have found some good, some good choices. And it's, a lot of it is trial and error because obviously every dog is different. Um, but for our puppy, he is, um, he is a pretty heavy chewer. It's possible it's just because he's starting to tease. But he has destroyed so many toys. <laughs> so we keep trying to find... You know, something that's a little more tough for him, but not too hard for his his baby teeth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And So that's, you know, that's something that we're still, we're also still trying to figure out. But, you know, we have a lot of non-edible toys like the Kong. We use the Kong. We'll put some mm-hmm. peanut butter in it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or like some chicken treats that he can't quite get to, but it's enough to keep him occupied. Um, he also just loves to chew on it on its own, so, you know, he's just a big chewer,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: he has, like, right now, he's just chewing on this rubber ball, so we have lots of, like, rubber rubber toys that he loves, and then this kind of, like, gummy little pig thing that I think you can freeze <laughs> uh, for when, you know, when they're teething, but even though, like, you know, with the pig, he's already... Tried to chew off the ears, so we had to cut those off. <laughs> and the snout, so we had to cut that off, and so now it's just kind of a little round oval.
1: I really but, want to um, see that when you come, Tori. <laughs> take, you have to take a picture and send it to me. i a picture
2: for you.
0: <laughs>
2: it's pretty funny, though. I don't think you can get any more of it chewed off now, because we, we try to monitor his toys really closely to make sure there are no choking hazards or anything. I think that's, that's a really important part of having puppy toys but yeah he's been he's been going through them pretty fast so you know we're trying to find good sturdy puppy toys that can be subjected to him without being absolutely absolutely destroyed but yeah so i think again it just it depends on the puppy i've seen i've seen toys that are you know probably more like cat toys and i'm surprised that you know some puppies don't go through those within 10 seconds mm-hmm. but you know like i said every puppy is probably very different
1: mhm they are, and I, I don't like to leave anything with them that they could destroy when I'm not there supervising. Because I don't want them choking on anything or anything that has eyeballs or noses that stick out or yeah anything I that's— I think
2: especially before you know their chewing habits. Yeah. You should definitely be, uh, be watching
1: mm-hmm. all yeah. the time. And I'm also finding that the things that are the most expensive are not always the ones that they like the most.
2: Right. (laughs) So
1: I end up buying all these really expensive toys and then they like a stick. Yep. (laughs) Or a toilet paper roll. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, one thing I want to, I'm just dying to know about Tori, is that you took Byron to get his first grooming. Yes. How did that go?
2: Well, the first, so we first had a consultation with this groomer who is also our vet recommended her said get him into her as quickly as possible we want him as Yorkie. you know like their fur grows really long mm-hmm. she said i want him in as soon as possible for him to get used to this while he's puppy so we took him in for a consultation i wasn't there i i had work unfortunately but jordan jordan took him and she said you know he just would not stop biting me you know he, And we were kind of surprised because he's usually pretty good about biting. But he just would not stop biting her when when she was trying to use the scissors. She she said, you know, come back in within two to three weeks and he'll probably be ready. And we were thinking, that's really soon. I'm I'm not sure he'll be ready. But, you know, I took him this week. I took him to his full grooming, his first official full grooming. And it went really well. She said that he... Was not biting. She said the only thing was that he kept trying to lie down on the table, which,
0: which she didn't <laughs> want
2: because she had obviously had to, had to groom all of him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but he did. He did really well, and I'm really I'm proud of him for that. We we really tried to work on getting him used to being brushed. The sound of a hair dryer was was a big one because he hates loud noises. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know his fur. I don't know if it's just him or if it's all Yorkie puppies but his fur just mats so quickly when it's longer so when it when at the length that he was before he was just getting these little tiny mats in his sides. Um, I assume because he's just rolling around playing all the time and so I really worked with him to a point where you know if he was kind of sleepy I would try to get I would try to get like one or two mats out until mm-hmm. he got kind of frustrated and let it be and but but slowly over time try like working on that with him got him used to kind of being handled that way. And so, you know, maybe maybe it was just him growing up a little bit within two weeks, but uh it seemed to help with his next appointment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was really pleased with how with how he was. And now he looks he's very handsome and looks a little different because yorkie <laughs> coats change over time. So his his coat is a little bit different. It's a different color now, but
1: yeah, it was it was
2: a good experience overall.
1: Well, and look at how you prepared him. You did a really nice job of preparing him. Thanks. Because they don't know what these scary sounds are until you slowly introduce them to it. Like, right. I use a Dremel tool to um, do toenails because I don't like to like quick uh, their nails. Yeah. And sometimes it's just turning it on in front of them so they can hear the sound. Maybe that's the first step. And then maybe the second step is actually touching each one of their toenails with a Dremel tool with it off, you know, and see how they do. And then maybe you just turn it on and touch the nail when it's it's going, and maybe it's just one nail, and then maybe it's two nails. So it's just getting them used to that so it doesn't scare them when you – you know, if you look at the outcome instead of – each step along the way, sometimes that's, that's too overwhelming for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So another huge question, and I asked this myself, is how can I socialize my puppy during the pandemic? Yes. And there are so many articles that are written on this topic with many good ideas. I've been setting up play dates with friends' puppies and also meeting people in the park. While maintaining social distancing, I, our neighborhood had a happy hour outside last weekend and I brought the puppy because neighbors have kids. And so I had a long leash and I let, you know, PJ go over and play with the, the little kids. And then he came back to me. And so there are all kinds of sounds that he had to get used to different people, uh, people walking their dogs up the street. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, what have you been doing, Tori? There, I took some
2: um, some tips from a few different places, and um, I've been trying to just take him as many places with me as I can in the car, at least for now. And then hopefully soon we can we can be taking walks in in public places. But what I've actually been doing is I'll take him on a little trip in the car, which also you know gets him familiar with the car again, and then we'll. Sometimes we'll sit in a parking lot, a busy parking lot, and just watch people mm. <laughs> from, mm-hmm. the, from the parking lot, which is it's kind of funny. Like, sometimes they will see me watching them with, with my puppy, mm-hmm. and then they'll just kind of wave. That's <laughs> but cute. But it's, um, it's been really good for him, especially with, with cars, getting used to seeing cars drive past. We actually went to this drive-in fast food place and it's funny because the waiters and waitresses they run around to the cars to get your order Mm -hmm. and bring your food like that's just their their signatures they run and so he was watching these people just run across the parking lot (laughs) with great interest and he also got to kind of say a socially distant hi to our waiter who came to the window and that was very Uh exciting for him um (laughs) so there there have been some interesting ways in which we've been socializing and He's a little small to see out the window, but, you know, I'll lift him out outside for our apartment window. And, you know, we'll watch the cars passing by and watch, you know, people walking by. And luckily we have, we have a situation here in Cleveland where Jordan's family is here. And we've been hanging out with them outside and they have a wonderful backyard. And so we've been sitting on their outside chairs. And with their dogs, and so the dogs will play together. So we have that that dog social socialization as well,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which has been really good for him. Mm-hmm. And you know, and seeing them at least once a week has been great. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's kind of it's it's funny how you have to kind of get creative. I've I've tried. I, I heard I read this, and and it kind of cracked me up. But I have been trying to put on different pieces of clothing. To mm-hmm. kind of, you know, get him used to different outfits,
0: and yeah. different
2: outfits that other people might wear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He did get to meet Jordan's sister's friends the other day, and he mm-hmm. was great with them. He was so excited. There's <laughs> lots of new girlfriends now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of, it's definitely something that I think puppy owners have never had to deal with, probably, and a completely new problem we need to come up with creative solutions to. So it, it has been interesting trying to figure out ways of trying to get him, get him out, and mm-hmm. you know get him used to new people, and it seems to be working pretty well. You know he seems to be a very, very social puppy already, but we're gonna continue with it and hope that hope that he continues to love people and other
1: dogs. Yeah, and if there's something they are going through a fear period now, you know eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks. And so even PJ will kind of, like, stare at something a little bit longer than he would have before. And just to realize yeah. that, you know, just be careful with them, and but don't be overly careful. Exactly. Um, so if yeah. I'm in the backyard... I think
2: we were definitely trying to be overly really careful for a little yeah. while there, too. I mean, when we first got out the vacuum, I mean, he was so scared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was cowering in a corner mm-hmm. and... You know, we we felt so bad. But so what we had to do was, you know, very slowly bring out the vacuum into the living room so he could kind of, you know, he saw it and he ran away. And then slowly he kind of started to move closer to it and sniff it, you know, just like one step at a time. So, you know, we still haven't quite gotten over that that fear, obviously, because it's, it's, I think a lot of dogs are scared of vacuums, which is fine. But um, we have been trying to make him more confident in himself around the vacuum if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so that he Mm -hmm. you know he knows what it smells like he knows what it looks like you know for now we're kind of just putting him in the other room while i'll vacuum a room just so not like scare the living daylights out of him but you know we're taking slow steps to kind of Mm -hmm. just get him more used to big sounds like that Mm um love car alarms go off in the parking lot outside of our window and you know like things like that you know that he has to be prepared for, you know, big mm-hmm. sounds that aren't in a safe, enclosed, you know, space that's controlled by us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it's good to get him used to to those things in the fear stage. But you know, like associate a positive a positive experience with that. I think is is the important thing from from what I've learned.
1: We are in the middle of a global pandemic. How on earth are we going to socialize our puppies adequately? <laughs> That's actually a call to you, the audience. How are you socializing your puppies during this pandemic? Go over to our website at animalacademypodcast.com, fill out the quick web form, and let us know what you're doing to socialize your puppy. You know what uh, just came to mind, Tori, is that I've always had Shetland Sheepdogs or Shelties, and mm-hmm. they tend to have some weirdisms at times. <laughs> And one weirdism is they notice things that they don't think belong or they're very, very perceptive. And they also, at least mine, get scared when they don't know about something. Let's say the vacuum cleaner or say there are shoes in the room and they don't know those shoes. You know, it can get mm-hmm. down to that level. So what I've done in the past is I've started feeding them treats by whatever they were afraid of
0: and yeah
1: and so like the vacuum cleaner it might be just putting a couple treats on the top with it not moving and with it not being on of course and just get used to this big old vacuum cleaner that looks really scary but look there are treats on it that's one thought it
2: can't be that scary
1: yeah Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, and I like the idea of starting it in a different room so he can hear the same sound from far away. Because there's something about this big, scary vacuum going toward a puppy that is very, very intimidating. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, we had um, the vacuum, and then we also had a cardboard box was the center of his fears one time. Hmm. Um, but that, that one he got over more quickly because they, they're not quite as scary. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is funny how in the fear stage, how the smallest things that you don't even think, you know, there's a cardboard box there yesterday. He didn't blink an eye, but today mm-hmm. it's the most frightening thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's definitely just, you know, introducing it in a positive manner,
1: like yeah. you said. Yeah, you're right. Another question is what kind of grooming supplies You know, and I'm not a groomer. You know, I've groomed my dogs in the past for dog shows. Um, So I asked the professionals, you know, what kind of supplies should I get? But every breed is so different and requires different grooming tools. Did you find out any tricks of the trade when you took Byron to see the groomer?
2: Yeah, I, well, I did some research by myself because once I noticed that he was getting some mats in his fur, I wanted to take care of that as soon as possible. And so... Um before we got to the groomer, you know I asked around and i I kind of googled you know best brushes for Yorkies because every every breed needs a you know a different kind of brush mm-hmm. and I found that for him he needs i did i read about slicker brushes, which we don't have one of those yet, and that's what the groomer also recommended. but I also have a um uh, a pin a pin brush is that what it's called? uh-huh Yes, we have one of those. As well as a comb, with a couple of different uh, widths between the teeth, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of help with those tangles in his fur, because that's pretty common with with Yorkie fur. So I think you know, it it really is just reading up on the breed that you have, and if you have a mix, then you know, try and just asking your groomer, like, you know, what with this with his fur, what what kind of stuff do I need? And mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately, you know, we just we found some answers, and it seems to be working for now, but Hopefully it'll, it'll work forever.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
2: yeah, she said that, you know, that was that was kind of the right call was to get a pink brush and a comb, but to also get a slicker brush
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, for his fur. So okay. it's really just, you know, consulting the, the professionals, I guess.
1: Yeah, right. So, Tori, you talked a little earlier about when is a good time for a puppy to take a nap, or do they take naps, or how much sleep <laughs> do they need? Um so that's, you know, my puppy tends to crash after just a short period of time. But then there are other times when he can be up for hours. Yep. <laughs> um, and he sleeps. I mean, I'm working from home right now, so he sleeps during the day. And then when I'm kind of ready to crash, he's up. So, yep. um, But every puppy is different. Um, friends have said that they have dogs that don't sleep much at all. So they actually, you know, will try to coordinate their schedule around their dog's uh, nap time. What have you found to be helpful?
2: So at first, we we did not know how much puppies needed to sleep. We knew that they slept a lot Mm -hmm. from what we had read initially. But ours, I mean, Byron, he has just different days. I mean, he'll have a day where he just doesn't sleep very much and he's fine. He has days where he doesn't sleep very much and he's not fine. (laughs) We (laughs) noticed that if um if we don't force him to nap sometimes we sort of we've kind of fallen into a routine now where he has about three naps a day that are about an hour and a half each and that seems to work for him but if he has a nap um for example right now he's been running around the room and getting kind of bitey and and a little bit aggressive that i know that he needs to take a nap because he's overtired because he hasn't he just hasn't settled down today and so I know that if I don't put him down for a nap, he's going to continue to, to do this or he'll crash. And, you know, I'd like him to be as, as comfortable as possible. So I try to keep him on that schedule. You know, again, for every puppy, it's so different, it seems. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard, like, puppies should go down for two, three-hour naps a day. But Byron doesn't like to sleep for that long during the day. He usually does, you know, little short naps throughout. And he'll sleep while Jordan's working, and like you said, you know, then Jordan's done working, and then he's ready to, you know, just sit on the couch and relax, watch watch a TV show or something. And Byron's ready to just, you know, get out and play because he's been sleeping all day. So it's still something that we're kind of figuring out, but yeah, for him, it's, you know, I know I know the signs of him being over tired, and a lot of that is, you know, he's just he's kind of biting and. Of course all puppies bite, but it's it kind of it seems a little bit different to to us at least when he's tired. He's mm-hmm. just a little bit more aggressive and
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know or he just passes out, which which is also fine cuz he kind of puts himself to sleep, but uh we definitely watch for the signs of being overtired and overstimulated. Um and so then, you know, we put him in his in his exercise pen to sleep with his with his bed and some water. Where we always put some water in there and just uh just let him chill out for a little bit. And usually, like 90% of the time, he will just go right down, even if he's been running around playing. So I think, you know, it's just knowing the signs of your own puppy, kind of like having having a child, I imagine. You know, you just kind of, you know, every baby is different. Every puppy is different. Every pet is different. Everybody's different. <laughs> Everybody has their own things that make them tick and the things that show that they need one thing or another. That's kind of what we've found with Byron.
1: So choosing a time when he's all wired and ready to go is not a good time to try to cut his nails.
2: No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster.
2: Yes, that's so. definitely not when we like to do any training <laughs> or handling because that has led to to some some behavior that we we, we do not want to uh,
1: to condone. <laughs> right now. This is, again, my opinion, but if my puppy is out of control like that and is ready to take a nap, I do a puppy timeout in his exercise pen, you know, give him some treats because he's not acting out. He's just being just super tired and bitey, 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 bitey. So I do put him in an exercise pen with some toys, with a Kong and some peanut butter in there. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that helps because it's not good having a biting puppy running around all the time.
2: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they just need you to say, all right, time to chill out. Mm -hmm. You have this little confined space where you can just relax for a second. And, you know, it kind of forces them to, to just, you know, lay down and, and, you know, focus their attention on a Kong with some peanut butter in it rather than, you know, oh my gosh, I see this and I see that and I see mom and I see dad and I really want their attention. And now I see this, you know, this Wonderful other toy over here, and mm-hmm. it just kind of—I think it helps them focus.
1: Yeah, I think so. And if if I'm holding him and he starts biting me, that's when I put him down. You yeah, that's—I'm not going to continue to hold him if he's going to bite me. Absolutely. So, I don't think it hurts to have a strong no, no bite uh, too. But I would really, really strongly encourage—I mean, these are the things that I've learned from training dogs, uh, my own dogs over the years, and what I've heard from friends who are professional dog trainers. I'm not a professional dog trainer. I don't have uh, my own classes or anything, but I've learned from examples and I know who to go to. And I have so many people that have been very, very helpful in helping me train my dogs over the years. Um, The people that I've interviewed in in previous podcasts, Sandy Gans and Ginger Kenyon and Pat Kasten, I continuously pick their brain over, you know, what should I do with this situation? And we're both taking an online puppy class right now. And I'm excited yeah. that our online puppy class trainer is going to be on a future podcast. Yeah, I'm so, so excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. So what else, Tori? Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about, about Byron and being a new puppy owner?
2: I think just prepare to lose a lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> the first week especially. I was not prepared for that part. But you know, it's, it has been such a joy having a pet in the house in in my household again. So it's, it's really, it's been worth it, honestly. And, you know, I, I have a lot of, I've been telling a lot of my coworkers about, you know, the, the good things and the bad things about, about having a new puppy in the house. And mm-hmm. it's all, you know, the good always, always outweighs the bad, but you know, it's, it's just been, been so much fun. And I, I would also throw out there that, You know, I think a lot of people are getting pets right now during the, during the pandemic and because they're able to stay home. But I think it's also too important to, um, to sort of wean them off of your attention, you know, Mm -hmm. give them time alone in a room without you Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, when you do start going back to work, then, then they, they're used to being alone. So that was something we've been working on with him, but. Yeah, but that's yeah, really you know, important. I, I would recommend I, I recommend puppies. They're great.
1: <laughs> well, and and that's that's true too, Tori, about needing to wean them off of us being around all the time when we're yeah. um, going to be eventually going back into the office. The other thing is, and I talked about this quite a bit before, is the importance of learning mindfulness skills that we can uh, incorporate into our own lives. I have made it. Actually, part of my morning routine of making coffee, and the weather's been great, so I go out, you know, outside, take the puppy and the other dogs outside, and he loves chewing on sticks and running around the backyard and just being a puppy. And it's so entertaining to just sit there with my coffee and watch him. That's awesome. You know, not watch the news, not watch any anything, not get on social media. It it kind of cleanses the soul, I guess, for me.
2: Yeah, it's really nice. It's it's nice watching them just exist because they're so happy to just exist, you know? They don't mm-hmm. need they don't need anything besides the present moment right now. Mm-hmm. And I I think, you know, you've said this to me before just that, you know, there's so much to learn from from that pets are such mindful creatures.
1: Mhm. Well, and they allow you to go in places that you nor- normally wouldn't go. For instance, I'll tell on myself, if you don't mind, Tori, because I have a puppy named PJ, I thought, well, let me go and get PJs. I don't re- dress up my dogs normally unless I had a therapy dog and I took them to a children's home. And then I would dress them up. Um, <laughs> but I went and I looked for quite some time to try to find PJs that I could put on a dog just for a picture. And so I found myself in Walmart. I called a friend and said, What size? do you think oh three to six months all right so I found three to six month PJs but it had a zipper I couldn't find any with buttons and there was no place for a tail so uh (laughs) because these were like little kids PJs (laughs) so these were problems but I snapped a picture and then I'll donate the PJs that he would only wear for maybe two minutes (laughs) Um, but I got enjoyment out of that I don't know that he did but I've got a, so a very funny. cute that, puppy that picture. picture. Is so cute too, <laughs> with his tail <laughs> sticking out one of the holes in the in the front.
2: I think <laughs> worth it.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Those are things that we wouldn't normally do. I don't think, and if we allow ourselves to have fun, it can be uh, it could be a lot of laughs.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think definitely relaxing over over some of the things of having a puppy has been, it's just been so, such a joy to, you know, to just be in the moment.
1: Along with some very challenging times because raising a puppy is, is hard work. It is. I was so, not
2: prepared. I yeah. knew because I had, I would read about it and I had people tell me, you know, raising a puppy is hard work, but I didn't think about it. I just thought, you know, I really, I miss having a pet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think it's important to, to uh, educate yourself on, you know, how you know, can you actually do this? Luckily we could, but yeah, it's, it's so worth it if you can.
1: And it's a lifelong experience for both you and your pet. You know, it's not just a short-term relationship that you have with an animal. It's, you know, you're in there for the long haul. And I'm excited because in a future podcast coming up this month, I will be talking to a veterinarian who specializes in behavior disorders in animals and also a licensed clinical social worker who um, also has done research with the veterinarian on talking about um, how to cope when your animals have behavior problems. So these are, um, they work with people that are in there for the long haul trying to help people resolve problems that their pets have that don't make them the easiest uh, to live with. So I'm excited that we're going to be doing that coming up shortly. Great. Yeah. I had a lot of fun talking with you and hearing about your puppy. And I can't wait to meet him in a couple of weeks. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Thanks again for taking time to be on this episode of the Animal Academy podcast. Thanks for having me. Inside of this episode, we're talking about a lot of different styles of training for puppies. What interesting or unique techniques do you use when training your puppies? Please go over to our website at animalacademypodcast.com and leave a message for us. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you're doing. The value of family makes conversations pass quickly, but each moment is not just a learning moment, but a touchstone in so many ways. The stories, experiences, and memories that are developed during each one I have, not just Tori, but all of them remind me that life isn't just happening. It's a circle of education and value, sure, but also one of legacy. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Animal Academy podcast. Detailed contact information and links for each of the guests and resources provided inside this episode can be found at my website, AnimalAcademyPodcast.com I'm Allison White Licensed Clinical Social Worker Specializing in the Human-Animal Connection Let's share and learn from the animals In the next episode Of the Animal Academy Podcast